Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and we will be examining the readings for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. That will be October 25th, 2020. Uh, Moses gave the Ten Commandments that he received from God. The first three have to do with a right relationship with God. The other seven have uh, having a, about a right relationship with others. Jesus summarizes these with two great commandments of loving God and loving others. And he took verses from the Torah to do this summary. Let us remember to live these two verses out in spirit rather than being slaves to the letter of the law as the Pharisees were. What Jesus calls us to is not following a set of instructions as we would when we assemble a, sh a box containing a shelf that we bought at a store. He is calling us to a way of life. And with that, let's take a look at the first reading. And the first reading is from the book of uh, Exodus, chapter 22, verses 20 through 26. Pardon the rustling of the papers as I got myself ready. It says, Thus says the Lord, now, this is very important. So this is Isaiah talking, and he is saying, this is a prophecy. This is what God told me to tell you. You shall not molest or oppress an alien. And that oppress is to uh, push down, uh, to cause distress. Uh, and, and then, uh, I'm sorry. And what is, and molestation is to rage or be violent toward. So he's not, he's saying that an alien, and that alien really means anybody that's a stranger. So and the Hebrew word means anybody who's a stranger. So, so it basically means somebody who's different from you are, from what you are. So God, God is telling them to, to not, not have be bad to somebody who's not like you are, somebody who's not a Jew, for example. For you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. Now, what that's saying is that they were aliens when they came to back to the promised land. Well, they were aliens in Egypt and were treated very well by the Egyptians until a new pharaoh came to power. But now, then they came back, then they were again considered aliens after the 430 years or whatever it was, came back to the promised land. So, you shall not wrong the widow or the orphan. And again, it's a word that means to depress, to push down. Uh, even if you wrong them, I'm sorry, if ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. God, what's that song that we sing? The Lord hears the cry of the poor. Now let's take a look at a couple of scriptures that go along with this. Uh, one is Psalm 146 verse 9, and I'm going to read from the RSV Second Catholic Edition on this. The Lord watches over the sojourners which properly means a guest or by implication a foreigner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Now, why is it so important about the widows and the orphans? These were people in that culture that had no status whatsoever and were not considered anybody who could contribute. So they were like leeches on society. And so God is telling them, in that psalm, to treat them well. And it says, for another place in Psalm 63, 69, verse 33, and this is from the New Jerusalem Bible, for God listens to the poor. 
he has never scorned his captive people. So even if you're feeling in some kind of a captivity, be that physical or emotional or spiritual, God has not abandoned you. Going on with something that Paul says, Galatians 6, 5, do, don't delude yourselves. God is not fool. Whatever someone sows, that he will reap. So that's saying that he's going to hear the cry of the poor. And then it goes on here. It says, my wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children orphans. So God is going to punish people who are not keeping this, his word. Now, that may not be uh, a death in this life, but it will be death, eternal death in the life hereafter. There's another uh, Proverbs 22, verse 8 says, Whoever sows injustice reaps disaster, and the rod of such anger will disappear. Uh, Then let's look at Hosea 10, 13. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, and you have eaten the fruit of falsehood because you have trusted in your chariots and your great numbers of and your great numbers of warriors you're relying on human things now we have a saying in english you reap what you sow and that's basically what these these scriptures are saying and i have one more which is proverbs 1 pardon me 131 so they have to eat the fruits of their own ways of lies and choke themselves on their own scheming so it's going to, what you, what you reap is what you sow, and eventually it's going to catch up with you. Now let's take a look again uh, a little bit farther. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him. Now that's by demanding interest from him. Now that's interesting to me because if you look at Matthew 25, verse 27, that's a parable of the talents. Uh, and the one, remember the the man that was given one talent did nothing. He just buried it in the ground. And the master's word to him before he was condemned was, well, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have gotten my money back with interest. So I don't think God is really talking that, that, that it's wrong to charge interest. What he's talking about is taking advantage of the poor. Don't be a payday loan per type of situation. Uh, and then there's also Proverbs 28, verse 8 says, Whoever increases wealth by usury and interest amasses it for someone else who will dispose, dis, uh, uh, who will bestow it on the poor. So what are you saving up for? Are you like the man who was building the bigger barns because his barns couldn't hold everything he had, and but he was called to be with God that particular night? Or are you generous with what you have? Now, that's... That kind of sets us up for uh, for the uh, gospel. But let's take a quick look at the responsorial psalm, which goes more with the gospel than with the first reading, which is a little unusual. And the response there is from uh, verse 2 of Psalm 18. says, I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. Let's, let's see what that, what we can talk about that. I was reminded of 1 Corinthians 1.25, which says, God's folly is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So we need to rely on God. No matter how strong we think we are, our strength is, is nothing compared to the strength of God. 
And, and it, the psalm continues to talk about how much God is the strength for the individual uh, who's reading the psalm. Now, let's take a look at the gospel. And there's a lot in the gospel that we can look at, and there are a lot of things that go along with the gospel. The gospel is short, but there's a lot of... it. It's actually a gospel. The This part of the gospel is in the three synoptic gospels, but in different places. Uh... Uh, so, and this is Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, this, this reading comes immediately after when Jesus silences the Sadducees when they ask about the resurrection. Remember, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. And the Sadducees believe only in the first five books of the, of the Bible, the, the Torah, the uh, 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 Pentateuch. Is, is the other name we have for now this particular gospel come we see it in several other places uh one of the places in mark is in mark 12 28 to 34 which places it in about the same time frame as this one in matthew and which is after the entry into jerusalem on palm sunday so this is leading up to jesus's death so these these things that we've been reading the last several Sundays are things that cause the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians to decide this is the time to put him to death. So in the, in the particular case, in, in Mark it says, one of the scribes who listened to them de- debating appreciated that Jesus has given a good answer and put a further question to him, which is the first of all the commandments? So this is one of the scribes it's saying here. Okay, in, in our particular uh, rendition of this, in Goss, Matthew's gospel, he's talking about the Pharisees, and the scribes, you realize, are the ones who were the, the lawyers, the keepers of the law. And so, and then it goes on, it's basically the same thing. Uh, and at the end of that, Mark 12, 28 to 34, Jesus says, when the, it says, the scribe says, you know, you're right. This is the way it is. This is what God wants. Jesus says, seeing how wisely he has spoken, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Okay, so you've got that. And you've got in Luke, which comes very early in Jesus' uh, uh, work, he, he was approached again, it says, a lawyer. And now a lawyer stood up to him to test him and ask, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what's written in the law? And he answers with the two great commandments. And Jesus' response to him was, you have answered right. Do this and life is yours. Now, immediately after this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get toward the end of the gospel here, when we start looking at that. Now, it says, the scholar of the law tested him by asking, tested him. That's the same word that we have in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Uh, and we, we, we look at that. Remember what that is? That's when Jesus was sent out into the desert by the Spirit to be tested. And after his 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he is tested tempted by the devil. The word that's used here, the Greek word, can be either tested or tempted. And again, the testing is to see what you're made of. 
It's sort of like assaying. And so God is, the devil is trying to see, is this really who I think it is? But when God tests us, God tests us so that we can see who we really are and what we're really made of, so that we recognize our weakness and plead to God to strengthen us to be beyond them. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit out in the desert to be put to the test by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and nights, for after which he was hungry. And the tester came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to turn into loaves. But he replied, Scripture says, Human beings do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the God, mouth of God. So the tester is saying, Satisfy your physical wants. And Jesus says, no. So Jesus is proving who he is by doing that. But here again, there in in Matthew 4, we have the devil testing him. Here we have one of the scribes, one of the one of the religious leaders testing him. And it's the question is kind of like it says, teacher, which commandment is the greatest in the law is the greatest. Okay, so since they had 600 and some laws, including the Ten Commandments, which one of these is really the greatest commandment to do? And it was, a, it was a test to see how Jesus would answer. It was, again, it was a something where, where these religious leaders were trying to trap Jesus, like, like we, he, they were with what we had that we studied last week, which was about the parable of, or not the parable, where they asked him, is it right to give taxes? To, to the Romans. And again, there they thought no matter what answer it was, they would trap him. And here they're trying to do the same thing. If he answers A, they're going to say it's B. If he answers B, they're going to say it's Z. And so he said, okay, he said, what did Jesus say to them? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So where did that come, where does that come from? That comes from Deuteronomy chapter four, verses. Uh, pardon me, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four and five. And this is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. So this comes from the Torah, one of the books that that is accepted by the Sadducees. And then he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that interesting? As yourself. So if you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. So where does that come from? That comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Again, from the Torah, from the Old Testament. And it says, you will not extract vengeance or bear any sort of grudge against the members of your race but will love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Just love your neighbor as yourself. All right, now let's go back. And we talked a little bit about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember in the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is in uh, Luke chapter, uh, excuse me just a minute, I have to find where it is. I have it here, Luke chapter 10. And I don't remember where it starts, but we're going to read from verses 36 and 37. This is the end of that. If you remember the story 
a man was stripped and beaten and lying along the side of the road, and you had a priest come by, a Levite, two of the religious leaders, and they ignored him for a lot of different reasons. They're on the road from Jericho to, to Jerusalem, and uh, and they were probably on their way to do some religious something or other. And one of the things could be that they were decided that they did not want to get into a situation where they would be ritually unclean and couldn't perform their duties in the temple. But they ignored him. So the religious leaders ignored him. And the third person that came along, if you remember correctly, was not even a Jew. He was a Samaritan who, was, who were these people that were uh, heretics. Uh, it was a mixed race of a few of, that was brought in by the Assyrians uh, after the de- deportation of the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Uh, brought, they brought back a few Jewish priests because the, the people that they brought in to take their place were having a difficult time. And the thinking at that time was that each land had a god of its own. So the, what they brought the priests back in to bring in the god of the land so that the crops would, would succeed. But, they make, but when it came into be, it was all sort of mixed up. So the Samaritans are not really Jewish in the sense that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, or even the people who were not of the religious leader groups of the Jews. So the Samaritan comes, and remember, he has pity on the man, and he takes, he, he, does, he does his emergency medical thing on the man and takes him via his animal. He didn't have an ambulance, but he took him to an inn, to a basically the equivalent of taking him to a Holiday Inn today, and he gave the, the innkeeper money to take care of the man. He said, if you, you need any more, come back. When I come back through here, I will give you whatever it is that you need. So the Samaritan didn't care who the, the man in the ditch was. He didn't care whether he was a Jew or a Samaritan or anybody else. He took care of him. And the question that Jesus asks at the end of this in verses 36 and 39, he says, which of these three do you think provi- pro- uh, proved himself a neighbor to the man who fell into the bandit's hands? Now, it doesn't say that he didn't say that who, who was the na- who did the Samaritan find to be his neighbor? He said, no, who was the one that wanted to be a neighbor to the person that was in turmoil there? The widow, the orphan, the person that couldn't take care of themselves. And what was the response? The response was the, the, the lawyer that tried to trap him, the one who showed pity towards him. So it's the, the one, he, the, this lawyer, this, uh, the lawyer of Jewish law got it right. The, the Samaritan, the one who took care of him, proved to be a neighbor to the man, regardless of what their proximity was or what their racial ties were. And Jesus said to him, go and do the same yourself. So we're called to be neighbor like that. Uh, it's, it's interesting that we don't always do that. Now, there's, a, there's another one place where Jesus talks about uh, love, and that's in John chapter 13, verses 34. And this, this is a, during the Last Supper. It says, I give you a new commandment, love one another. Uh, yeah, you must love one another 
just as I have loved you. In another place there, he talks about laying down their lives for their friends. So this love that Jesus is talking about doesn't take into account how I feel about the person. It talks about my recognizing the other person as a fellow human being who is in need, and I have what I can give to that person to make that person's situation better. Uh, John, again, in chapter in verse John chapter 4, verse 20, says this, Anyone who says, I love God and hates his brother is a liar, since whoever does not love the brother whom he can see cannot love God whom he has not seen. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> I can say I love God all I want, but if I don't let my love be shown to the people that are around me, I, don't, I can't really love God because it's, it's not real. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? I don't know. What what do you think? Paul agrees with this whole thing too. In in John in Romans chapter thirteen verses eight and eight to ten, Paul says, "The only thing you should owe to anyone is love for one another. For to love the other person is to fulfill the law." And that's what Jesus is going to say down here. Jesus says in this verse here, the whole law and the prophets depends on these two commandments. So to, you want to fulfill the law and the prophets? Then you need to love. You shall not, all these, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And all the other commandments there are, are summed up in this single phrase. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love can cause no harm to your neighbor and so to love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, Paul is, is focusing on the, sec, the last seven commandments, which deal with our relationship with others. Now, there's another scripture that we maybe want to look at here, and this is from, from Paul, and this is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. He says, After all, brothers, you were called to be free. And the Galatians, the whole book of Galatians is talking about freedom and using your freedom rightly. So, so let's go back. You were called to be free. Do not use your freedom as an opening for self-indulgence. And uh, self-indulgence in, in the New Jerusalem Bible, in the Jerusalem Bible, is uh, works of the flesh. Uh, it's called the flesh uh, in many of the other translations. But be servants to one another in love. Since the whole law is summarized in the one commandment, you must love your neighbor as yourself. So we're talking about love here, and, and it's going back, it links immediately to the first reading there in Exodus, which talks about that you need to take care for another person. Now, oddly enough, again, the, the First Thessalonians reading, our second reading is from First Thessalonians 1, chapter, or verse 5, the third part of verse 5 through 10, is kind of a corollary to this, and... Uh, Paul begins, brothers and sisters, you know, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake. Paul is saying, you know that we laid down our lives for you. We, we, we didn't say one thing and do something else. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So what does that mean? It means that when we imitate the saints, the saints have been imitating Jesus for us and giving us a way to imitate Jesus. And when we imitate them, we're actually imitating God. And so uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, take me as your pattern 
just as I take Christ for mine. So if you want to be what God wants you to be, then you need to, to listen to what God has to say to you. And there are he gives us people in our lives to be examples of how to live a life of love and service to God and to others. So, so are you really looking for that? Receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit. So where does the joy come? Our joy comes from the Holy Spirit, from God himself. Our situation may be such that we don't have, uh, we don't necessarily have to be happy, but we have joy. And Jesus showed joy throughout his, the, the Holy Thursday and Good Friday. He showed joy throughout that, the joy that only God can give. So that you became a model for all believers. So what is that saying? Uh, let's look at it. Uh, I'm going to read from you from the New Jerusalem's Bible, Bible's note for, for this. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 1, note D. It says, allowing for some exaggeration, one can discern that the life of the Christ, of Christians in accordance with the gospel by itself achieves the spread of their faith. It is one form of the word of God. So it's living your life. You can evangelize by living the life of the gospel, the life that God calls us to. And that's not, you know, uh, it's attributed to St. Francis, says, preach the gospel, always use words when you have to. So, and it's, and he goes on, Paul says, it's not only in Macedonia and Achaia, which are provinces in northern Greek, where uh, this was a crossroads from east to west, uh, Thessalonica was, and so it's, it's a Roman province. So he's talking about that there. It's that because of the road, it was able to be moved throughout so that we have no need. Of, but in every place, your faith in God has gone forth. Because of this, where Thessalonica was, was, the word was spread as to what kind of people were living there. For they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living God and wait so God is calling us in these readings. So the church is using these readings for us to be able to understand what it is, how it is to live a life of God. They called us to a life beyond that which the world or lukewarm religious leaders propose. They call us to genuine relationship with God and with others. So with that, we're going to end today. Uh, we're going to end a little bit early, but I appreciate very much your listening to these uh uh, podcasts. If they're a blessing to you, they, you can try to contact me, uh, and I would be very much list, like to hear what you're thinking about them. Uh, God bless you, and you have a great week. And we'll talk again next week. We're closing in on the end of the of the liturgical year, and soon we'll be in Advent, and we'll go from cycle A to cycle B, which will be Mark's Gospel. Thank you so much.